I'm Erin. I'm Sarah. I'm Megan. And this is the Tribbles and Transporters podcast. You could write about something in science fiction. So I dreamed up the Star Trek idea so that I could comment on man and society. The whole show was an attempt to say that humanity will reach maturity and wisdom on the day that it begins not just to tolerate, but to take a special delight in differences in ideas and differences in life forms. You know the greatest danger facing us is ourselves and a rational fear of the unknown. There's no such thing as the unknown. Only things temporarily hidden and temporarily not understood. Open your mind to the past, art, history, philosophy, and all this may mean something. There comes a time in every man's life when he must stop thinking and start doing. Fear only exists for one purpose, to be conquered. We're going to stumble, make mistakes, I'm sure, more than a few before we find our footing. But we're going to learn from those mistakes. That's what being human is all about. The heart of real science fiction is stories about people and ideas. Because it says it's not all over, it's not going to go up in smoke, we're going to make it. Because it says the human adventure has just begun. Welcome, everyone, to episode 55 of the Tribbles and Transporters podcast. We are three Trekkie gals who grew up in the 90s and fell in love with Star Trek for many of the reasons you just heard. Even though we consider ourselves Trekkies, there's a lot of Star Trek we haven't seen before, which is why we're cycling through all the episodes of the completed series. We're going to learn some cool behind-the-scenes stuff and talk about our reactions to each episode. We're going to tackle some topics within the Star Trek universe and maybe do some interviews with occasional guests. Today's episode is all about The Cloud from Voyager. Now, if you're listening for the first time, we want to let you know very quickly who we are. My name is Erin, and I am the Voyager fan on this podcast, so I am very excited to be talking about my favorite series this week. Outside of Voyager, I have seen quite a bit of Star Trek. Uh, grew up on TNG, Deep Space Nine, uh, reruns of the original series, but uh, as far as Enterprise, it was all new to me when we started watching for the podcast. And I am Sarah, and my favorite uh, Star Trek ep- uh, not episode show is TNG. And um, I have a dog named Scarlet who's right below me right now making a lot of <laughs> ruckus. So I apologize if you hear that at any point while I'm talking during this podcast. But um, yeah, when it comes to Voyager, though, I have seen a little bit of it, but f- I probably 90% of it I have not seen. And this was my first time watching The Cloud. And I am Megan, and Deep Space Nine is my favorite, although I also love TNG. I grew up watching TNG. Um, I was also watched um, all of Voyager, um, some of the original series, and the first two seasons of Enterprise. So this was a fun episode for me to go back and rewatch. I haven't seen this episode in a long time, so I'm glad we're getting to watch Voyager and talk about it today. But before we start talking about it, we are going to give you a quick breakdown of what to expect during our podcast episode today. We're going to start out with our music challenge, as we usually do. Then we'll uh, get a quick recap. (laughs) 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 Uh, 
It's gonna be great, guys. <laughs> um, then Megan is going to give you a quick recap of what the cloud is about, in case you've forgotten about it or you haven't seen it before. Then we'll do our What Did You Think segment, where we give you our quick first takes on the episode. We'll do our quiz, where we quiz each other on how closely we were paying attention while watching this. And then we'll get to our behind-the-scenes and episode discussion, and then finally your listener feedback. But now it is time for the music challenge, our favorite part of this podcast, <laughs> or mine anyway. <laughs> of course, you're not having a guess. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, you know, we'll have to do another one where you guys choose the music and I guess again. Okay. So we can do that. Why don't we do that next time? So All right. that's your assignment okay. for next time. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, so this is the segment of the podcast where I choose a random clip of music from somewhere in Star Trek and challenge Aaron and Megan to identify where it comes from. And this is our little homage to uh, the Star Trek music, which is uh, some of the best music, I think, in television and films. So, all right. I'm not going to ask whether you guys are ready because you're not. And (laughs) we'll just go. That's really interesting. Yeah. There's actually a lot of places that could fit in Star Trek. Uh, at first, I thought it was coming from Enterprise um, from an episode that we've watched for the podcast. And then it started sounding like it came from the original series. Mm. Oh, why do so, you say I, that? I, it just, for me, I, it sounded it, like a 60s, like it had a, like a 60s vibe to it. Um, towards the end, like it didn't start that way, but like it, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, it felt like it was coming from the original series for me. Okay. Aaron, what do you think? I would not be surprised with either of those answers being correct. Um, like I say, it really does feel like it could fit in a lot of places in Star Trek. My initial thought was, maybe from one of the movies and I immediately went to Star Trek five. Okay. Uh, so what's, what's the official, um, so we have two answers here, Star Trek five or the original series. Is that what we're going, going with? Mm-hmm. Okay. Megan, you are correct. It is from the original oh, nice. series. Wow. Now I need the episode. Oh my goodness. No, that's not going to happen. Other than, is it one we've watched for the podcast? I can just go back and pull those titles and start (laughs) titles. (laughs) It is one that we've watched for the podcast. 
Oh, Although no. I don't think you were on the podcast yet. Oh, that help would help me narrow it down then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that means it's from the cage. That is correct. It's from the cage. All right. So I think it's one of those uh, unique pieces of music that you would, you know, if you were more familiar with the cage, you might have recognized it from that episode. Yeah, probably. Actually, I don't think I've ever seen that episode all the way through. Hmm. And shame on me for not ever <laughs> seeing that episode all the way through. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say it's interesting. <laughs> I'm glad I watch. I'm glad we watched it though because it does fill in a nice little knowledge gap that I had about Star Trek um, and kind of where you know the origins of it. And it was it was just kind of cool seeing the the very beginnings and the ideas that they had in place and what they changed and. Um, yeah, it is, it's very different from what the show actually became. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, definitely have to go back and watch that. And I have to um, catch up on the Kelvin movies. <laughs> <laughs> the, beyond, we haven't gotten to that one yet. So no, or I haven't gotten to it yet. So I was just watching it the other day. With power reserves running low, the crew of Voyager alters course to enter a nebula in which there is a usable power source, or coffee, as Captain Janeway puts it. However, once they enter the nebula, they encounter numerous problems, including being attacked by an unknown substance which cripples every defense system on the ship. The crew discovers the nebula is not a real nebula, but was, in fact, a life form, and Voyager returns to help the creature recover from the damage they caused while trying to escape from it. So what did you guys think? Well, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Well, I will say that this is one of those kind of classic Star Trek plots where, you know, exploring, going out and looking for something they need or something they're interested in, discover they caused an issue, and then they're duty-bound to fix it. And uh, I think it's it's a nice one for introducing that kind of premise into Voyager. And it also has a lot of iconic moments in it. Um, a lot of good quotes come from this. Obviously, the famous, there's coffee in that nebula. And it just has a lot of little character details and stuff. So I quite enjoyed this episode. I didn't know that was a famous quote, although um, it did stick out to me when she said that. So, I can oh, understand yeah. why there, it... There's t-shirts, coffee cups, uh, everything. Okay. <laughs> Memes. <laughs> yes. I'm oblivious to the, I guess, DS9 and Voyager uh, lore a little bit. So, um, I enjoyed the episode for the most part. There were some kind of weird random things that didn't make sense to me that I've never seen in Star Trek before. And so I was a little like taken aback by it when I first saw it. But um, I thought the Paris Bistro also was a little like, I don't know, also a little strange. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but um, but uh, I thought it was a really cool idea. Um, the story concept of a nebula being um, alive, basically being an organic life form. That's also not something that I've seen in Star Trek before. So that was, um, that was a a cool plot for me. And um, I really liked the interplay between the doctor and the other characters, of course. 
And I don't, I just, I'm getting to know the doctor character on a, in a way that I had known him previously in just the few episodes that I've seen. He's, he's kind of like becoming my favorite character, I think, in this. But the thing that was hard for me in this was that it was a very science heavy uh, show with a lot of techno babble. Yes. There was a ton <laughs> of techno babble. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I don't know if that's more of a Voyager thing more so than on the other shows, but, um, I find like it. I find it kind of fun in in a way because it like inspires me to. Um, I, I just like seeing all these people on Star Trek being knowledgeable and and knowing all of these things, and it kind of like gives it inspires you personally in a way. But at the same time, I get really bored and just kind of zone out <laughs> when they start <laughs> spouting all of that too. So, um, so that was like a plus and a minus for me, but. Um, I would say overall that the positives outweigh the negatives in this episode. Yeah. I enjoyed this episode too. Um, and jumping off of what Sarah mentioned, like I love Robert Picardo in this episode. Like he is so settling in to the doctor and establishing this character's personality, which does evolve more over the show, but he's so funny as this character. Um, and not in a, to get a, a chuckle, but just this sarcastic humor that he has. So, um, I really enjoyed that in this episode. Um, I, uh, enjoyed the overall plot of this episode. It had been a while since I've seen it. So, um, it was nice to go back and, and rewatch this and see more of the origin, um, and what Voyager, what was happening with Voyager after being stranded in the Delta Quadrant for a few weeks at this point. So, and people settling into while well, we really are stuck out here and not close to home. So, um, cause normally if I go back and rewatch episodes, I'm not watching the early episodes. So, um, it was just fun to revisit this episode. I enjoyed watching it. All right. And with that, it's now time for our quiz. Can't you pay attention? Write down all those star dates. No more than a hint. Which of the hosts knows more about the show? The quiz is where we ask each other five questions to see which of us was paying the closest attention while we were watching the episode. We will take turns uh, being the person asking the questions and we will keep track of the scores. You can keep a track of your own score and see if you can beat us, which I would not be surprised if you could. And uh, we will uh, post on social media about the quiz and you can let us know how you did compared to our scores. We will also have a listener quiz question and that will show up after the podcast episode goes live and we will uh, read out those who get the correct answers. Now, as far as our leaderboard so far uh, for the number of wins with the hosts, uh, I have 15, Sarah has four, and Megan has six. <laughs> Can I catch up one day? Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So the way the quiz works is we will take turns asking the questions. And in order to determine who will be going first with the quiz, uh, I will roll a die, a actual physical die. Uh, I have numbers assigned to our different names, and that will determine who gets to go first. So here's the first roll. Sarah, you get to go first. All right, it's first time in a while. <laughs> I get to go first. No, I went first last time. Okay, um, let's see here. So quiz, uh, not quiz number one, question number one. <laughs> Scarlet, what are you doing? Scarlet. Something. Stop. <laughs> Must cause chaos. Exactly. <laughs> Scarlet. Sorry, I gotta make sure she's not tearing up something. Hang on. She was after a ball. Okay. Oh, great. Just great. <laughs> Is it a squeaky ball? It's not, but it'll make noise when she throws it around. So. <laughs> uh. And, you know, Janeway would have appreciated having a dog here, so... Yeah. Question number one. When Janeway exits the term lift at the beginning of the episode, there are two crew, crew members waiting uh, for the lift to greet her. What color are their uniforms? Ugh. I did not pay any attention to that. I didn't either. Um, I'll guess red and blue. I was going to say blue and gold. Oh, Aaron is correct. Ooh, good guess. <laughs> that was a good guess. <laughs> Okay, question number two. During the pool game on the holodeck, the first time that Paris and Kim go in, one of the characters calls a certain ball in the corner pocket. Which ball was it? I actually have that written down. Oh, of course. <laughs> I do not. So I don't know. Uh, it was the nine ball in the corner pocket. Okay, yeah, that's correct. Okay. Okay. In that same scene in the pool hall, how many wine glasses do we see the lady washing? Ooh. You know, I knew that this was going to hit me today, that I wasn't paying enough, <laughs> close enough attention to all this background stuff. Um, I'm going to go... I, I had one number picked, but you know what? I'm going to go with my favorite number, four. I'll go with three. Oh, you should have gone with Aaron's favorite number. It's four. <laughs> You know, maybe with all of these fours showing up in Star Trek, uh, maybe that's why it's like subliminally became my favorite number. Could be. Okay. Um, question number four. When Neelix... Okay, so when Janeway is in the kitchen sniffing around the food and stuff, Neelix comes in and interrupts her sniffing uh, or trying to check out what's in one of his big pots. He is uh, carrying a basket of food. What food is in the basket? Like different types of lettuce from what I remember. I was trying to decide if it was a fruit or I want to say it was like leafy greens or herbs or something. Okay. Yeah, you're, you both got it. Okay. It, lo it was kind of like lettuce-y looking stuff. So, okay. Question number five. When Janeway is playing pool, what color ball does she knock it into the pockets first? Oh, that one I did not 
right down. I know they were all solids, but what one went in first? Like more than one or just the very first one? Just the very first one. It was the yellow one, I think. Mm, I was going to say orange. Oh, you're both wrong. It was the green. Oh, see, mm. I I remembered seeing the green, but I thought it was like the second one. Well, I went back and watched it a couple of times and yeah. I didn't see. Uh, it looks like the green was the first one that they showed. So All right. I think the yellow was um, was like the second well, there we have it at the end of round one. Aaron has four and Megan has one and a half, I think. That's what I have. Uh, that's what I have. Okay. All right. Let's see who gets to go next. I get to go next. Question number one. We were talking about Janeway looking for Neelix in the kitchen. Uh, he comes in and offers her uh, a coffee substitute. He also offers her a breakfast food item. What was that? I did write this down because I almost had it as one of my questions but I decided <laughs> not to ask it. So, Why didn't I think to pay attention to that? You know me. I like to pick out dialogue questions. I know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a guess on this one. I wrote down Takar Loggerhead Eggs. That is correct. <laughs> well, I would have never guessed that. <laughs> well, you could have gotten eggs correct. Okay. Uh, question number two. In Janeway's ready room, there are flowers on the table beside the couch. What flowers were there? Are you talking about the kind of flowers? Yes. Um, they, they're normal earth flowers, so they're not, like, supposed to be alien flowers or anything. Dang it, I don't even know what the normal earth flowers are. <laughs> this one <laughs> you do, you would know. I, uh, it's not, like, a crazy tropical one that you can hardly pronounce or anything. Well, no, it's not. Uh, see, my, I have a question, like, asking what color they were, so I'm not gonna oh. ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> are they peonies? The only flower I can think of was like a tulip or something. I had, they were pink roses. Oh, yeah. I, I would know what a rose is. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to hint that, but, you know. Okay. So, question number three. When they are in the nebula and they are collecting, uh, or trying to collect some of the material for fuel... Uh, something is interfering with the transporters. What is it? Oh, I knew I should have written that down. I knew <laughs> I should have written that down. Even in the moment, I was like, I need to write this down. Someone's going to ask this question. <sighs> I was and so I proud of myself because I wrote down multiple things from that scene and that was not one of them. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> I did not write it down. Um, it was so quick too. Mm. Yep. Well, I will say I was doing a lot of pausing watching this episode and I had like four pages of handwritten notes. So. Oh my gosh. No wonder you win these quizzes, <laughs> right? <laughs> I literally even had a thought when I was rewatching this today. I was like, I just need a transcript of this episode. That's what I need. <laughs> There's so much technobabble in it. Oh, There's yeah. so many question possibilities. I'm not going to write all this down. I don't know what was causing the interference because I can't remember. <laughs> uh, is it like some sort of I don't know, some sort of like theta hydroxyl waves or <laughs> something like that? I don't know. Megan, did you want to take some kind of guess? I have no idea. 
what it was. And I should because I just watched this episode again like three hours ago. <laughs> but I don't remember. Well, the Tendo Babble was just like so overwhelming. Oh, yeah. there's, there's no way to remember all of that. No. All right. They were Thoron emissions. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go with a uh, less technical question. What color are the lights above Harry Kim's bed? Jeez. <laughs> there are lights. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. In fact, apparently, there are different colored lights in each of the main cast's rooms, which I didn't really pay attention to until it was mentioned in the Delta Flyers. <laughs> Blue. <laughs> Just guess a color. Blue. Do we actually see the light bulbs themselves, or is it just the beam of the light that you see? Uh, there, it's actually strips of light right behind his head. Uh, yellow? Megan is correct. They are ah, blue. Nice. Yes, uh, apparently some people got to choose their color, and I guess some people just got whatever was the leftover colors. <laughs> mm. Alright. Question number five. There are two stations at the back of the bridge between Tuvok and Harry. Nope, not going to get this. <laughs> <laughs> what are the titles of the two stations? <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, between Tuvok and Harry? Yes, so it's the, it's the back of the bridge. And sometimes you see people standing at those stations with their back to the view screen. Yep, saw Tuvok. that in this episode. Tuvok is this, is he, what is he, the science officer, security officer? Uh, tactical security. Tactical sort of security. Okay, well, it's probably not security or operations because those are behind science. <laughs> science something. I was going to say auxiliary science. And I, oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> yeah, what else, what else is on this? And, well, it's not engineering, because engineering's a different station on the bridge. Um, I'm glad you know that. I have no idea what the layout of the Voyager Bridge is. So so uh, thank you. I won't say engineering now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Ast astrophys I don't know. Science and astrophysics, <laughs> although they're yeah, the same thing. Sure. <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. I don't know. <laughs> well, unfortunately... They did a weird thing, and one of them is engineering. Oh, no. Really? <laughs> it's very weird why they have two places that are engineering. The other one was Mission Ops 1. <laughs> what? Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a little confused myself when I saw it, but uh, that's what it said. Now it is Sarah's turn to ask questions. Or, sorry, Megan. Megan's turn. Yeah, but okay, at the end of that round... What's, uh, yes. what's the score now? Aaron 4, Megan 2.5, two and a half, and then me with the big fat zero. <laughs> I have Megan with three and a half. Oh, it's yeah, three and a half. Three and a half yeah. I always miss one. Hmm. I often do too. Okay, so uh, question number one. Back to the um, scene where Captain Janeway is in the mess hall, in the kitchen. Neelix comes in from the hallway. Um, to the right of the door, um, there are items that we see. What are those items? 
can you repeat the question? <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, who to whose uh, right? Is I was it? just gonna so say to Jane- the right of the door, so it would be Janeway's right. Janeway's uh, so right. The, okay. when Janeway walks that, in, no, no, no. When Neelix comes in to the oh, kitchen, okay, and he sets the basket of lettuce down uh-huh. to our right in that camera shot, camera uh-huh. right, um, we see um, two items on the shelves. Uh-huh. What are those two items? Okay. Mm. I obviously did not pay attention to that. I'm going to say there's some, the the coffee craft he picks up and a bunch of carrots. I remember seeing stuff on the shelf. Um, was it like red beets or onions or something like that? And I have, I have no idea. That's the only thing I remember. Uh, uh, potatoes or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, Sarah, you're right on the red, but not on the item. So um, okay. there were three pomegranates yeah. in um, a bowl, and then below that were a bunch of plantains. Oh. What okay. are, wait, how, what did pomegranates look like? They're the red big round fruit that when you you break them open and they have oh, little seeds that's what, yeah seeds that's what I was I don't know what a pomegranate <laughs> looks like though <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give you half a point then okay <laughs> uh, okay so question number two um, on the holodeck um, in Sandrine's uh, we are introduced to a character that Tom Paris has created called Gaunt Gary how many rings is he wearing Oh, I did not pay attention to that. Three. That was going to be my guess as well. He's wearing one, but I thought in a wide shot, I saw him with a ring on another finger. So I was going to accept either one or two. Okay. Hmm. But it was not three. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Question number three. Um, Why does Harry not want to drink so late at night? (laughs) I know this one. He gets heartburn. Yeah, acid heartburn. That is correct. Picked up on that because I get acid reflux. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, question number four. In Captain Janeway's ready room, next to the flowers that Aaron mentioned earlier, <laughs> what is sitting next to that? Where are the flowers located again? <laughs> they are next to these her sofa at the windows. Okay, I still have her ready room figured out yet. <laughs> That's where Chicote sat down to go through his medicine bundle. Uh, uh, I don't know, a bowl of fruit? <laughs> so I have no idea. Well, if it's the same thing that I think I've seen there before, it's a picture of her and Mark and their dog. So neither one of you are correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So there were two things there. One um, was like a low bowl that had some kind of like maybe succulent type plant Hmm. in it. And then there was a bronze type statue of um, what looked to be like a horse and rider. Oh, okay. Can I get Um, a third of a point for the bowl? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no. <laughs> Let, let's not get into complicated yeah, fractions here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll mess my brain up. Um, question number five. 
what did Harry's roommate at the Academy study that kept Harry up all night? I wrote down what he helped Harry with, but I don't think that's the same thing. Yeah, I did the same thing. Um, I will say this is when I initially watched the episode. I did not catch this either, but I caught it in rewatching the episode today. It's some is some mathematics, some something equations, or um, I don't know the exact name of it. It's it's a branch of mathematics, though, so what, or something in mathematics. Yeah, I was waiting to to see if you came up with something because I was just going to say equations, and I didn't want to throw you off. <laughs> Well, Sarah, you're very close. Um, it's algorithms. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what he was up studying. Oh, yeah. So at the end of this, if I have everything marked down right, is Aaron with five, Sarah with one and a half, and me with three and a half? That is also what I have. I had Aaron with four, but I just probably forgot to give her a point. So. <laughs> Aaron, right. this is a low-scoring game for you. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, and you it, still won. <laughs> it was low-scoring for all of us. We yeah, got yeah. really into some details there. Yeah, we did. You know, the weird thing is, I took more notes on this than I have in a long time for anything, and I this is my lowest-scoring <laughs> quiz. <laughs> it just goes to show, it doesn't... It doesn't pay for me to make detailed notes because I do worse, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one just had so much to take notes on that you were yeah. bound to miss something. So with our last episode that came out, we had a listener quiz question that was posted. Uh, and this is for the last outpost. The question was, how many years has the Takan Empire been gone? And the answer was 600,000 years. Now, we actually had three different people answer this question and get it correctly. Uh, one was my brother, uh, Mark, on Facebook. Um, and then uh, we also had a correct answer from the folks over at Green Shirt Podcast. If you're looking for another podcast to listen to, the Green Shirts are great over there talking about TNG. And then we also had Mike Lavoy977 on Instagram. Thanks for the quiz question answers there, guys. And uh, we look forward to putting the next question out there for you uh, as this episode goes out. All right, guys, we're going to try a picture on this. Let's get everybody one, please. Pictures up. Pictures up. Let's roll sound. Rolling. Rolling. Sound speed. Camera speed. Take two. Mark. And action. so we are going to get into a little bit of the production details for this episode and um the story for this one about the organic cloud was uh, an idea by brandon braga but uh all he could come up was with was just the basic idea and he couldn't uh figure out the details of of how to like flesh it out into a full-fledged script so it was turned over to Michael Piller, as were all of the problem scripts, apparently. <laughs> they were handed over to him. <laughs> and um, he was given the job to come up with the full storyline for the script. He basically decided to come up with the character stories. So we're talking about like the animal uh, guides and uh, the Paris Kim stuff on in the pool hall, all of that stuff. He came out, he, he came up with to um, fill out the script. Because uh, they didn't have enough with just the cloud storyline. They decided to uh, 
established the pool hall as the Voyager's version of the uh, TNG poker table. So they wanted a nice little setting for the characters to kind of get around. And um, I guess they carried the theme over of games, like playing games with a pool. Mm-hmm. So Voyager had a Native American consultant um, on staff and they decided to ask him about the animal guide uh, aspect of this. And he told them his personal story about an animal guide and how he once went through a visual exercise of his own and um, envisioned himself on a beach with a lizard as kind Mm. of his animal guide. So they took his personal uh, story and turned that into Janeway's. Um, Brandon Braga noted that Pillar's writing style is influenced by pulp fiction, which can be found in the way that the characters talk and go off on tangents a lot in, uh, in episodes that he writes. And Pillar said that he absolutely hated writing the techno babble in this episode, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, he really enjoyed writing the character scenes. As far as the writers go, we have uh, Tom is S Z O L L O S I. So however you say that name. Uh, Sure. Sure. Yeah. He wrote the uh, teleplay or was one of the writers on the teleplay. And he, uh, he only wrote two episodes of Voyager. That's all the Star Trek that he did. And then of course we had Michael Piller and Brandon Braga who were uh, writers on this uh, episode. And we know um, them very well in Star Trek as writers and producers of multiple Star Trek series in the nineties. And of course, Michael Piller wrote in Star Trek Insurrection and Brandon Braga wrote First Contact. And then finally, we have Kenneth Biller, who was the story editor for this, and he was a writer and producer for um, a good portion of Voyager and Star Trek The Experience. The director for this episode was David Livingston, uh, who is also a very well-known director name in Star Trek. He uh, worked on all of uh, The Next Generation, uh, DS9, and Voyager. And this uh, episode, The Cloud, was the very first Voyager episode that he directed. He said that he found a really, really difficult time uh, filming Janeway's experience with the Vision Quest on the beach. He said it was kind of a weird sequence. Michael Piller wanted to shoot it in Janeway's office, but he wanted to go to the beach and shoot it. Uh, Looks like they compromised and did a green screen in a studio somewhere. (laughs) But um, So basically, Livingston didn't want to do a lizard. He wanted to do a big cruel looking animal instead and he said that they had a really hard time shooting the lizard because they couldn't get it to move it would apparently just sit there (laughs) and wouldn't walk for them or do anything Mm -hmm. um so they said they even like had a hair dryer blowing on it trying to get it to move um without hurting it so they eventually just kind of gave up and uh left a um a second unit to film the lizard while they went off and shot the rest of the episode And Garrett Wong, referring to the pool hall scene, said that he jokingly complained to David Livingston during during the scene um, that all of these women were coming up to uh, Paris and fawning over him. And so he asked David, why doesn't Harry get any women? David Livingston said, because you are the nice guy. And then Robert McNeil turned to him and said, you know, I used to play innocent and naive in my early 20s and you're going to have to go through that for a while before you can be the <laughs> stud guy like me. <laughs> Lastly, uh, Brandon, Brandon Braga mentioned that they had to use a lot of CGI in this episode. And Michael Piller also said that he had to, to uh, kind of rework the script because he realized they were writing a lot of uh, CGI and technical um, 
effects into the script and so he had to kind of rewrite it to where it wouldn't be so expensive to shoot the cgi of the the nebula cloud was even stretching the limits of what their computers were capable of doing back Mm. then and uh, he said that towards the end i mean it was so time consuming that towards the end uh, it really got rushed and um i guess it didn't look as good as they wanted it to and of course um Voyager filmed on TNG's old stages 8, 9, and 16 on Paramount. This episode was released February 13th, 1995 in the United States and in 1996 in uh, the rest, well, in a few countries in Europe, 99 in France. So they wait as usual. Okay, so looking at this episode, when I first was thinking about this episode, I thought, oh, I'm don't know that there will be many guest stars, but I forgot about the scenes in Sandrine's. So that is where our main guest stars come from. Uh, speaking of Sandrine's, she is our first guest star. She was played by Judy Geeson. Uh, she is actually a British actress uh, who started out her acting career on stage in London. And then she appeared in... Um, her first TV role was in the BBC series Dixon of Doc Green, and she was only 13 years old. She then appeared in some other British shows such as The Newcomers, uh, Star Maidens, Dark, Danger Man, Thriller, uh, Space 1999, uh, and then she moved to the U.S. where she appeared in Murder, She Wrote, The A-Team with Dwight Schultz, MacGyver, Mad About You, Gilmore Girls, and Touched by an Angel. And then in movies, she appeared in Young Goodman Brown, Disney's The Duke with James Doohan, uh, Everything Put Together, Houdini, Spanish Fly, The Lords of Salem, Uh, Grandma with John Cho, and 31. But she is best known for her role as Pamela Dare in the movie To Sir With Love and the TV sequel To Sir With Love 2. Then we move on to Larry A. Hankin, who played Gaunt Gary. Uh, He actually appeared previously in a TNG episode, although he was uncredited. Uh, He was the wind dancer in The Cost of Living in the fifth fifth season. In other TV series, he appeared in things such as Laverne and Shirley, WKRP in Cincinnati, Family Ties, New Heart, ALF, Married with Children, Home Improvement, uh, Weird Science, Malcolm in the Middle, Hill Street Blues, Matlock, uh, L.A. Law with uh, Robert Picardo, uh, and then in things such as uh, Lois and Clark, ER, CSI, and Joan of Arcadia. Uh, In movies, he uh, appeared in things such as Yours, Mine, and Ours, uh, Annie, The Star Chamber, uh, Fatal Beauty, where he starred with Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Pretty Women, or sorry, Pretty Woman, Uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, uh, Home Alone, uh, The Shadow with Ethan Phillips, Vegas Vacation, Nobody Knows Anything, Billy Madison, and Money Talks. Now, in 1979, uh, he wrote, directed, produced, and co-edited and starred in Sully's Diner, uh, which was a short film that was actually nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, 
Wow. But he is best known for his roles as Charlie Butts in Escape from Alcatraz and for a recurring role in Friends as Mr. Heckles. Is there anything he hasn't done? <laughs> uh, not much, no. Right? Uh, he seems to have been one of these really versatile actors. I for sure remember him being on Home Improvement. Okay. Really? Yeah. The, yeah, he was the Tim's Halloween guy. Okay. In that, <laughs> in that show. So. Oh, I loved the Halloween. I don't remember that character, though. I like the Halloween episodes, but... Yeah. <laughs> go back and watch the Halloween episodes. He's the Halloween guy that they end up... Um, Tim's trying to pull a prank on the boys that he was... Um, like, owned the house before them, if I'm remembering correct. And... Um, Tried to convince them. something about it, it, yeah, it's something in there about <laughs> he's just trying to scare the boys that like the maybe this guy's son was missing or uh, had, before they bought the house went missing and was like killed in the house by this guy. So it's mm-hmm. just weird. Like and so, but they boys end up finding like get to Wilson and Wilson confesses that no, he's the Halloween Tim's Halloween guy. So yeah, it's <laughs> I must <laughs> have missed that. Uh, Halloween episode or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, but you know what? I did. I went to look him up because he looked familiar to mm-hmm. me. And so I had to look him up during the episode when I was watching it. And at first, I thought he was the Goldicott guy. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I could see the no. similarity. Yep. Yeah. And then, um, then when I started looking at his filmography, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy has done everything. <laughs> and and recently he's done it. Like he's yeah. even in a movie like or a show or a movie next year. Like he's still working. Wow. Yeah. So that's rare. That's rare in Hollywood. Yeah. I had to skip over a lot of things or I would still be listing stuff he's in. Yeah. What a what an amazing career. Yeah. All right, so also in the uh, bar in the holodeck, we have Angela Dorman plays Ricky. Uh, She had some guest star roles on TV shows like Seinfeld, Ellen, Party of Five, uh, The Client, The Drew Carey Show, and on Nash Bridges, where she had a recurring role. And she also appeared in a TV movie called Deadly Matrimony with Robert Picardo. The other prominent character in that scene is Luigi Amadeo. He played the gigolo. Uh, He is originally from Italy, and he appeared in several Italian films and series. But on um, more American TV, he appeared in High Society, The Bold and the Beautiful, Red Shoe Diaries, The Nanny, uh, Melrose Place, Veronica's Closet, and Ladies' Man. And he also appeared in movies like Year of the Gun, Baps, uh, Art House, and The Animal. And then later, we do see his character again, but it was later played by Rick Giannassi. And those were our guest stars for this episode. Captain! May I say, you look beautiful this morning. Is that a new color lipstick? That was the same color I always wear. Well, perhaps it's just the way the glow of the food heater lamps hit you, but you look wonderful. Uh, Not to suggest you don't always look wonderful. Neelix, do we have any coffee left? No, but we have something even better. I don't want something even better. I want coffee. It's made from a proteinaceous seed I discovered on an expedition. Never mind. I'll use one of my replicator rations for coffee. 
That would not be appropriate, Captain. I beg your pardon. All right, so we're going to turn to our episode discussion of The Cloud. And we're going to start with the, um, the teaser, the opener, where Janeway is reciting a captain's log walking through the corridors of Voyager. And she is talking about how she's really uncertain about her role with the crew. She feels personally that she should get to know the crew a little bit better but she talks about how in the academy you know they're taught that captains should kind of be a bit standoffish with the crew a bit more formal and she uh, enters the mess hall where kim and tom paris are having some breakfast and she tries to make small talk conversation with them you know and try to kind of test her theory about getting closer to the crew and they act really awkward like, um, why is the captain talking to us, <laughs> basically? And um, she is on the hunt for some coffee and goes sneak, uh, snooping around Neelix's kitchen, trying to find some coffee and uh, trying to figure out what the heck he is cooking in all of his pots. <laughs> and uh, Neelix comes in and, you know, um, greets her and offers her an alternative to coffee because he doesn't have any. And uh, he pours her a uh, cup of slop, basically. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks delicious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Janeway is summoned to the bridge, and they have come across a nebula that is filled with Omicron particles, which I uh, suppose are what they need to, um, I guess, replicate more coffee. Is that what it is? <laughs> it's it's energy. Yeah. So, yeah. It, yeah, it would allow them to use the replicator more often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because uh, Jamie wanted to use the, re the replicator to replicate her some coffee, and Neelix was like, nope, that would be a bad idea. You need to set an example for the crew. <laughs> Which was a fantastic scene. Yeah. To have, you know, Neelix <laughs> reprimanding the captain on what is and is not appropriate for her to do <laughs> and her reaction to him I, that was just so good yeah i mean the those two actors clearly had a lot of fun together um because the there's so many scenes where with janeway and neelix and they just play off each other really well mm -hmm. although it was weird like why did neelix walk in and be like you look great this way like what the heck was that about <laughs> that's just neelix being you know before he really settled into the role he was just kind of out of left field most of the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay i could tell if he was like trying to hit on her or if he was trying to distract her from looking in his pots it just seemed it just was out of nowhere and i was like why yeah why is he talking like this to yeah. her? He still has like a little bit of like that used car salesman yeah. personality. <laughs> or the cliched used car salesman. Let me yeah, exactly. reset that. I was going to say, I bought my car from a really nice yeah. guy. Yes. I mean, I have friends of mine that are car salesmen, so not to insult them. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't, um, I, I don't know. I can't figure out his character yet. He's a little all over the place for me. But yeah. I mean, I like him, but you know, his, I'm still trying to figure out what his personality is and what his character is and stuff. Yeah. And he does change somewhat through the series. I mean, the, the fact that he was all afraid of going into the nebula and everything in this episode. And then later on he's helping them out finding 
things, finding supplies and stuff here, there, and everywhere, and you know, talking to different species and all this kind of thing. So, it, they do kind of settle on more of what Neelix's personality is supposed to be like later on. I also had this weird feeling, and I don't know, but it felt like, um, like when Janeway came into the mess hall and was talking to Kim and mm-hmm. and Tom. And they were acting all like weird around her. I was like, where is this coming? Because I don't remember them acting that way in previous episodes. And But I don't know. It's been a while since we've watched Voyager. So yeah, it just seemed like something that, that they had to do for the sake of this episode. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of that. But it also just highlighting the fact that there's a big difference between talking to the captain on the bridge or in a meeting and that, or talking something technical than just the captain walks up and is like, Hey, how's your day going? Yeah. Um, is this a test somehow? How am I supposed to act? What am I supposed to do? Like, you know, and, and that is something else that gets fairly quickly figured out. And, you know, we get a, evidence of that towards the end of this episode. Well, maybe there haven't been too many scenes like off the bridge or off duty uh, between the captain and, and the rest of the crew. I just remember the other episodes. Um, it seemed like the crew members were a lot more fa- like seemed very familiar with each other, mm. you know, and very comfortable around each other. And then all of a sudden they're not in this episode. And I, I don't know, maybe uh, the situations that I'm recalling are different. Well, I mean, you could be totally right, because obviously there's going to be times where they just want to do something for a certain plot point, and it doesn't necessarily make sense. And I will say, like, things like that was probably my biggest turnoff for Voyager, Um, because I can remember back when the show was airing new, um, and watching it through the seasons, I was like, this is the most inconsistent <laughs> show. <laughs> so I think that's that uh, now, I mean, it doesn't bother me nearly as much as it did then, but um, yeah, I wish that over the seven years that this show was done, that they had been a little bit better on the keeping everything consistent. Cause it's, they're stuck in the Delta quadrant Voyager. <laughs> the ship itself is, is not changing or, this person's history and what they did three episodes hasn't changed. So, or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that seem to change, um, these early seasons, they talk so often about needing to find energy sources Mm -hmm. and having replicator rations and all this kind of stuff. And then eventually they just kind of, don't deal with that part yeah. of the story anymore. <laughs> yeah. We're fine. Oh, really? It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're just like, you know what? We're getting tired of talking about replicator rations and stuff. And <laughs> now they so- still did like, from what I remember, they still did have replicator rations, but it had gotten to the point where it wasn't a, an event to go eat in the yeah. mess hall. Um, so it was, that was just a normal, this is where we go get our meals. Yeah. And we save our replicator rations for other things. Or coffee, in Captain Janeway's case. <laughs> Must have coffee. Okay, well, uh, back on the bridge, we have uh, Janeway and Chakotay are discussing um, the crew morale. And 
Chakotay mentions that maybe some of the crew would like to uh, discover who... Well, actually, is it Janeway who wants to do the animal guy thing? Like, Chakotay mentions it. Yeah. And so she just... Uh, it's almost like, ooh, animal thing? What's animal thing? Can I do animal yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think she's more limiting to him that, you know, we would greatly benefit from a counselor hmm. on board and we don't have one. Yeah. And basically he's saying, you know, this is how, what I do to, this is my type of counselor and what I do to, to have that as an option for myself. Hmm. And so basically she just jumps on and it's like, oh, what's that? Can I yeah. try it? She was very excited to have an animal guide, I must yeah. say. <laughs> she hey. was really into it. Like I say, that's one of the things I love about Janeway is she's an animal person. And I am an animal person myself. So I would be all over having an animal guide. All right. So uh, Voyager then enters the nebula that they had found earlier. And they run into an energy barrier in the middle of it and they decide to kind of punch through and that's what they do but on the other side of it the energy energy barrier closes behind them but they continue on and uh back in the mess hall neelix and kess are arguing about uh janeway's decision to basically go into the nebula and uh, Neelix does not like it at all. He's a little nervous about, you know, exploring the unknown. Kess is kind of all for it. And uh, Kess decides to uh, persuade Neelix that it's okay by kissing him, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, in rewatching this today, I was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, why? This is so contrived that you're. No, I'm going to turn you on and change your mind. Is yeah. That kinda, yeah. Um, yeah. So as the Voyager explores more into this nebula, they, uh, they start getting knocked about and discover a compound that is attaching itself, itself to the outside of the ship's hull. And it starts draining the energy uh, in Voyager. And Voyager, uh, they decide to try to go back through the um, energy barrier and find out that they're kind of trapped there. The energy barrier is not going to let them back through, but they've got a conundrum on their hands. I will say this is so weird in the beginning of this um, act where they've come to this nebula and Kim does this er, exclamation that he's never seen anything like this. And Tuvok hails Kim Mm -hmm. across the bridge. Yes. Like, what is happening? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this was one of those weird things that I mentioned. That I've never seen this in Star Trek before. No. So what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that it happened again. I don't think it does. Episode. Because it was actually something that um, both Garrett and Robbie brought up on Delta Flyers. Was like, why didn't we do that more? That was cool. To kind of have this like aside where two characters can just talk to each other using their comm badges. That's yeah, but never seen again. Loud enough that the entire bridge heard their yeah. conversation. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not playing. Like, it's one of those like, okay. So I'm I, in, in what I do for work um, on the weekend, I'm communicating on a headset to a vast number of people. And one of the persons I'm talking to is not on a headset. So I'm literally talking 
at this person as yeah. I'm communicating out. But I also have just general public right there. And so I have to be very cognizant of how the volume level that I'm speaking at so that these people, I'm not distracting these people from what's happening. And um, so like in that moment, I was like, okay, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do this part as part of my work. Like one, they're talking so loud <laughs> 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 that you have to modulate your, your voice down much quieter. And then it's like through a communication device, that's hard to understand. So I was like, yeah, this is so stupid that they're talking to each other across the bridge. Well, the thing is... Or something that's stupid. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. First of all, I didn't understand the sentiment of Tuvok. I was like, how many times have Picard and Data said, oh, we've never seen this before? You know, it's like, (laughs) that's a common thing. (laughs) Like, I don't know why Tuvok is berating Kim for saying that, first of all. Second of all, comm badges... Throughout the history of Star Trek up to this point, everybody can hear what's being said on the right. combat. It's, yeah, it's, it's not a secret. The, yeah. the speakers of the bridge not coming out of the comments, combat itself. Or it or it is. Like well, yeah. I don't know where I mean if they're like on an away yeah. team or something, it's coming exactly. out of the comm badge. But it's still loud enough. I mean it's out loud. It's like having your speakerphone on. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's like it's not any more secret than him just saying it across the bridge to Kim. Yeah. You know, I mean, this one is like, one, they haven't done anything yet. You could have like locked your station down for the two seconds it was going to take you to walk across the bridge, say something to Ensign Kim, and walk back to your station. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> or by anyway. then, they should be able to have like the IM stuff. Yeah. You know, like yeah. just send them a little text, you know. <laughs> hey. Well, that was actually something that I was thinking about, like having text on their stations, because we have them, they're going up to this nebula, and Paris and Kim have been in the mess hall. They've been having breakfast. They come in and just jump right in as if they've been following the conversation all along. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm like, what? did? Was there a a log of everything that had happened up to that point and they just scanned it real quick and then we're able we're up to speed like nobody told them what was going on when they came yeah. on the bridge i noticed that too but again i think that's just a star trek thing though because yeah. uh tng does that all the time where <laughs> you know how they just switch out the cons constantly yeah, right. yeah. You know, it's like Data walks in and he takes the con and he just knows what's going on, you know, so. Well, that's Data. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. All it's other random crew members that come and take over a station. Yeah. 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 And a similar thing happens later with um, engineering. I mean, obviously engineering monitors the exterior conditions of the ship and stuff like that. But, you know, Janeway just mentions Hey, Torres, is there something we can do about this dust? Yeah, as if she's been listening to the whole conversation. Yeah, yeah. and she's like, oh, yeah, I, I, here, do this with the dust. Like, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> that happened to, That happened on TNG where Picard would just randomly call down to engineering and Jordy would have an answer for something, yeah. too. So I don't know. Maybe um, if there's, like, a situation going on on the bridge, maybe engineering is monitoring. Yeah. You know, because they have to work together a lot. Yeah, for, they're absolutely obviously monitoring the actual readings of the ship and and what's going on but whether they have like a monitor that's showing 
kind of the the source of what's being done to the ship um or maybe that's what the engineer station is on the bridge yeah that when it's not Belana sitting there as someone that's feeding them this is what's happening yeah. up here maybe i don't know could be i mean i would have thought that engineering would have had all of the readouts you know that the bridge has like they yeah. would be able to see all of that yeah anyway yeah, I, I guess that's what I mean by obviously they're they would be monitoring the conditions and stuff. You know, they're yeah. monitoring the readouts of what the ship is doing and and what's happening and you know sensor readings yeah. and stuff like that. Well, I just kind of assumed because of TNG doing the exact same thing with Jordy, I just assumed that whenever there is like a situation going, it's like Jordy automatically just starts monitoring everything, mm. conversation and you know, the readouts and stuff like that. Well, it's the only with, explanation for with it. With sickbay too. Like when they've yeah called down to sickbay, you know, you know, Dr. Yeah. Crusher, have you been monitoring this? Absolutely. I, I, here's my solution or I'm yep. ready. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Forgot about that. Yeah. I'm just, I've decided to randomly eavesdrop in on the bridge. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> there was a line on this. I think Paris said it, uh, where they were talking about going into the nebula and Paris is like, he's reading out some, I think what the makeup of the, the nebula is or something. And then he says, I don't see them giving us any trouble. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> key, that's the key phrase right there for this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, fine. If you ever go, hey, watch this. Yeah. You know you're in trouble. You're yeah. going to get hurt. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so... um we are at the end of the day, apparently. Uh, Kim is asleep in his quarters, and uh, Tom Paris sneaks in like a creeper. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I was like, I thought he was about to get murdered or something. <laughs> and uh, wakes, wakes Kim up and decides to drag him to this pool hall on the holodeck. And so they go through this whole thing of... We get we get introduced to some crazy crazy stuff going on, on the, in the pool hall, <laughs> and then uh, Torres, uh, Belana Torres, is sampling the uh, compound in engineering, and then needs to take it down to sick bay to get some confirmation from the doctor on some things. And so she calls up the doctor, and they have a nice little. <laughs> I love the banter in this uh, mm -hmm. scene, and. Uh, the doctor analyzes the compound and discovers that it's actually an organic life form. Then Jacote uh, goes to Janeway's uh, is a ready is ready room, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's like it looks like her freaking quarters half the time. <laughs> yeah, I nope. can't. Her ready room. Um, her ready room. He brings his medicine bundle with him, and mm -hmm. then he introduces her to uh, discovering her spirit as a spirit animal guide. I, mm -hmm. want to keep, I keep saying spirit animal, but it's uh, animal guide. And uh, then uh, Belana interrupts them at the end of it, and we discover that she's done the same thing and almost killed her animal guide, apparently. <laughs> so, Which was so interesting in yeah. that Chakote walks in, I've never shown this to anybody, uh -huh. and the next person in the door is like, yeah, she tried to kill her animal guide. <laughs> yeah. I, I wrote that down as a thing. I'm like, okay, maybe he had her make her own medicine bundle. And that was one of those, like, was there dialogue cut from this scene to <laughs> clarify this? Because 
this was if it were if there was no cut dialogue, they were terrible in writing this scene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even catch that, but yeah, yeah. It, she probably, I guess, she just recognized the process more than the actual items. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, because she um, acted like she hadn't seen it before, didn't she? Well, I mean, she walked in and she was just kind of surprised, I think, at them sitting on the floor around this coffee table. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, when Janeway uh, explains what they were doing, she's like, oh, yeah, I, you know, did get on so well with my animal guide. Yeah, <laughs> Kind of makes you wonder what situation went on because it was probably like, you know, Bolana asked it a question and it gave her this really reasonable answer that wasn't what she wanted. And she was just like, you know what? This is dumb. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't figure out, like I, I had images running through my head of what her animal guide must have been and what happened. <laughs> and yeah. Either that or it was like a spider and she was like, oh no, go away, squish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I actually did like that Janeway's animal guide turned out to be uh, this little lizard because they had that whole conversation on the bridge about, you know, Chakotay, she assumed his was a bear or something powerful like that. And they, they carried through, you know, it's not what you expect. It's not cliche. It's not, you know, maybe something you would choose, but it, it's, the one that is choosing you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Was this ever, I don't remember cause it's been a while since I've seen these first season episodes. Was this concept ever revisited in Voyager? I know Chakotay went on more like vision quests and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if it was ever fully revisited as in, Janeway or another character meets their their animal guide. Yeah. Or mentions it or anything. Yeah. Um it it's interesting to me that they definitely had a uh, a Native American consultant on this given how much just like vague made up Native American stuff is in like I mean so much of it is at least from what I've heard from people who understand the various Native American cultures, it's it's neither here nor there. It's not one culture or another. It's it's bits and pieces all over. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's almost like I mean, Chicote could have been in an alien and had all of these things, and it would have made more sense than him being an actual Native American. Oh, by the way, I've been informed um, that Native American is no longer the correct term. Oh, yes. I will switch. What? Okay. No, apparently we're back to Indian. Really? Yeah. Okay. Which in, makes, in, makes no sense to me because the the Indian name came from the real India. Yeah, exactly. And, it was a mistaken yeah. naming. But apparently that's, that's – Native American is no longer correct. Okay. Um, here, here in Canada – Oh, sorry. It's an Indigenous People's Day. Yeah, I don't tomorrow. Yeah. But that so. could be, you know, that's Indigenous peoples of any yeah. area. In, in Canada, um, the preferred term is First Nations. Um, mm. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where we just find more and more about how 
these cultures were vastly mistreated Mm -hmm. for the most part. And, you know, it's one of those things where, unfortunately, we can never make up for it. Um, But it's, it's just we need to do our best to be respectful to every culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the things that in this episode, again, drawing from what I heard from um, the Delta flyers and some of the behind the scenes stuff, they didn't necessarily do the best job with a lot of the cultures that are expressed in this series of Voyager, uh, particularly with Chakotay and also with Kim. Um, Cause in this episode, I th- it may be the first time we get him um, using a Chinese saying, mm-hmm. um, but it is something that comes up over and over again in the series. And I, I remember uh, Garrett was actually saying that he he went to one of the writers or producers at one point and was saying something about Kim being Korean because, you know, Kim is probably the most common Korean last name ever. It's it's like Smith or Jones Mm -hmm. in, you know, um, in um, English names. Um, And the the producer or whoever it was he was talking to said oh no kim's chinese and he was just like wait a minute no i'm chinese the actor himself is but you do realize kim is like the korean name <laughs> and you know it's just they they hadn't even to them asian was asian right and hadn't really dealt with it properly so that's why Harry spouts all these Chinese sayings throughout the series is because they were writing him as if he was Chinese and just mm. didn't use a Chinese name for him. Um, which, I, you know, that can happen. You could have you know, marriages changing names and, you know, your closest ethnicity is not the, the same as what your last name is. But, yeah, it it just... That that is well, not I mean, one of the better things about Voyager <laughs> is how yeah. it treats cultures. I'll also say that there was in Star Trek in general, with the exception of the original series, the nationalities of characters that came from Earth weren't celebrated or mm. really um, emphasized. It was just you were human, yeah, and you were from like they even in in Next Generation they mentioned that they're from or and they've done it in the original series movies. I'm from North America. <laughs> Yeah. And my, then they talk about the nation states. So it's not that they don't, it's more like we're just, we're all human from earth and the subcategories of what we are are not important. Mm. We don't even know what countries still exist actually in, in the Star Trek universe. Uh, I mean, France is referred to. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the old, the, the United States is referred to, but almost like in the past tense in a way, um, at some point in TNG. Riker still mentions Alaska, so Alaska is still a thing. Yeah, Indiana is mentioned. I mean, so. Yeah, so, the, like, yeah. the state still or exists. Iowa. Yeah. It's almost more like they're using them just as place names rather mm-hmm, than yeah. as this is a political unit. 
Well, they don't want to address, you know, does the United States still exist in yeah. the 24th century? Like, they don't want to go there. But, um, yeah, so we get this specific place names, Labar, France, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, they don't get into, yeah, like, nationalities and, and that sort of thing so much. Hence, we have a French background captain <laughs> that speaks with an English accent. Yeah. <laughs> so. And so does his entire family. Yeah. <laughs> I did think it was interesting having watched recently the TNG episode where they talk about France and, and the French language and data mentions that, Oh, Oh yes, there's, there's this obscure old language. Mm -hmm. And yet then we get in this episode of Voyager Paris takes Harry into the holodeck and automatically he's like, oh, is this some sort of French bistro? Like, mm-hmm. which is it? Is it a, an obscure place or is it well-known? Um, it makes a heck of a lot more sense for it to be well-known. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if there's a academy campus outside Marseille. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, there were just some contradictions like that and to go back to Sarah, your point about, you know, we, we're all humans. Um, my ear caught on the, um, during Janeway's log at the beginning, she said, you know, we need to see ourselves as the entire family of man, uh, here in the Delta quadrant. And so I was thinking about, is she just talking about the, the humans on Voyager? Cause Clearly, Voyager is a ship of diverse species. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if she wasn't just referring to the humans as man, then, you know, why are they... So are only Alpha Quadrant species man, not the Delta Quadrant species? So I, I, I still think the, the line would have quite the same impact of humanoids. Yeah, and, and that was the thing. Like, it was a really good-sounding line. Uh, it made an impact. But I think when you really look at the meaning of it or the words specifically, it, it didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's really weird because it's almost like Star Trek wants to have humans under this blanket thing of we're all human and downplay the cultural aspect to a certain extent like Megan was just talking Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. but then we go to Picard Mm -hmm. and it's the opposite their their whole point of um, making the Romulans look and sound like they did was Mm -hmm. so that we don't have this one vision of what Romulans are you know and so we, we start seeing the different cultures within the Romulans you know, yeah. and stuff. So it's like Star Trek now, and I haven't watched enough Discovery, you know, to know whether they do this or Lower Decks or whatever. Um, but on Picard, it was like they're they're taking the opposite approach, <laughs> where they're yeah. like, let's celebrate the different cultures, you know, and yeah, well, it's that. definitely a reflection of what the how cultures were recognized on television in the nineties versus how it, they're recognized today. Mm. So um, we're definitely looking at this as a a perspective of today versus of when this was created and aired in the 90s. So um, I don't think in the 90s 
we would even be having this type of a discussion, mm. which is unfortunate because this is a fantastic discussion to have. Yeah. And it's something when we are talking about science fiction and we talk about alien races and things like that, we th- tend to think of them more as one kind of blanket culture. Mm-hmm. But really, un- unless that culture comes from a planet where either everybody has become kind of homogenized through being super interconnected all over the planet, or it's a planet where there's only like one tiny continent. And so there's only one culture, uh, that sort of thing. It makes so much more sense to have variations and regional differences and accents and different cultural backgrounds and stories and all that sort of thing over a planet wide culture. Yeah. Marina Sirtis actually had a very interesting um, theory on why Picard speaks and sounds English in France. And she, she's known if you go to the conventions and you watch her, she's known for hating French people (laughs) and as the English do, I guess. Often. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she said her theory is that by the 24th century, England has invaded France and taken it over. And so there are no more (laughs) French speaking people left. (laughs) But then how does that account for uh, Tom Paris going to Sandrine's and all the people there with French accents? Right. (laughs) Different writers on Voyager. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, I have to, uh, getting back to the episode, I guess, yeah. um, talk, talking about the, the scene where we see the doctor pop up for the first time. I mean, he said a couple of things in this that actually had me laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love, I have said before on this, I love uh, characters that have that sarcastic, you know, uh, witty kind of lines that they they say, and that's the doctor through and through in this um, series so far anyway. And um, the whole, like, what was the, where, um, oh yeah, Bellana was like, well, what if they, you know, what if you could just program yourself or whatever? And he was mm-hmm. like, well, what if I could program myself, mm-hmm. you know, and he starts blurting off stuff. And he said, should I raise an army? <laughs> yeah. like, it's so <laughs> random, you know? <laughs> like- <laughs> well, I think that's kind of the, a uh, nod to the, if, if an AI gets too independent. Right, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I just wasn't expecting him to say, so to say that, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, just stuff like that, um, which is hilarious in this, it, it, basically every scene that I've seen him in just about, you know, he's like that and yeah. with these characters and it surprises me because I always thought Tom Paris was going to be my favorite character, mm-hmm. but he really kind of like put me off in this episode and yeah, yeah. Later on, I think he gets better. Yes. You know, and that's the Tom Paris I'm a little bit more familiar with, I think, but, um, but I would say probably for this so far in Voyager, for this part of it anyway, um, the Doctor is really growing on me a lot. So, mm. Well, one thing that I also found out relatively recently uh, through watching YouTube videos and stuff is that um, I know we've, we've brought up several times about how 
Tom Paris is so similar to the previous character that Robbie McNeil played. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Apparently, Paris was supposed to be Nick Lucarno. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't get something about the, the rights to the episode that that character appeared in messed with the rights for Voyager. And so then they weren't allowed to do that. So that's why he's so similar. Yeah, I wish they would have been able to follow through on that because I would have been, I don't know. It's like Nick Locarno, for me, that the episode that they were in on in, uh, TNG is a very memorable episode and mm-hmm. his character is very memorable. And so to see him <laughs> basically playing the same guy in Voyager, but he's not the same guy, yeah. you know, it's like, <laughs> it's weird. And I really wish they had been able to make that the same guy, but. Yeah, it makes it more of a typecasting feeling situation than a uh, reference, which Mm -hmm. is what it was supposed to be. It threw me off, though, when he talked about being in prison, because I don't think I still have his background nailed down. Mm. Uh, I know that they talked about it in the, you know, uh, first episode, but... yeah. I, I kind of forgot the details of what happened, but... Well, basically, he joined the Maquis and then got captured, and so yeah, they sent him to prison. Was, yeah. Oh, he was in the Maquis. <laughs> yes. I don't remember this stuff, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he left Starfleet because he was on a mission where someone died. Yeah, and then he lied and, about it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I remember <laughs> he had, like, some something with Starfleet and then got in trouble, Um that's all I remember. <laughs> I didn't yeah. remember the Maquis and all of that. Yeah. Um, okay. I also thought there were still hints of the idea that um, Janeway and Paris were going to be a couple mm-hmm. in some of the dialogue in this episode. Yeah. Really? Because I got that more of like Janeway and Chakotay because she said like, oh, you have a date on the bridge. And I was like, what? That's. Yeah. Like a weird well, way to put that. <laughs> yeah, I think she was just saying it's it's a date. Like, oh yeah, let's you know put that in the calendar. But I guess yeah, but, yeah, it is one of those things where, and it does kind of get addressed later on that there is serious chemistry between Janeway and Chakotay, and there is a massive fan base for. Um, I know. know. Well, they did. They like yeah. have like some. Like, I know I've seen an episode or two later in Voyager where they're like actually like dating or together um, or something. I don't know. Did they end up on a, a having to be left on a planet at some point and they think that they're there for the rest of their lives. And so they start kind of exploring mm-hmm. the, you know, the chemistry they have together. And then all of a sudden Voyager comes back and is like, never mind, we fixed it. You can come back. Yeah. And then they have to sort of shove all that stuff down, which okay. some some people say they they shouldn't have, but I I think that was the the right way to go. Um just kind of the whole having to put the crew and the ship before personal feelings. Yeah. Um but, you know, I I agree that they are pretty much perfect together and now that they're back in the alpha quadrant you know it could happen (laughs) um so the pool hall stuff now i um i enjoyed the conversation between paris and kim uh Mm -hmm. on the way to the pool hall i thought that that was a great 
uh, dialogue scene. Yeah. Um, I also laughed when uh, Kim was like, oh, yeah, I remember my when it was like in my mother's womb. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, just like one of those random things that they throw out in the dialogue in this. And I think this is probably part of that, like Michael Pillar Pulp Fiction thing that they were talking about where he just like goes off in these random tangents out of yeah. the blue, you know? Um, <laughs> and I loved Paris's reaction to that. He was like, yeah, sure you do, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Um, um, so yeah, I like, they're kind of like the um, O'Brien Bashir relationship yeah. on this show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But once we get inside the pool hall, I was just like really uncomfortable <laughs> through yeah. this entire scene. Um, I don't know, like, again, it's just one of those things I think over time, it like back in the nineties probably wasn't as, I don't know, question, it kind of came off as a little sleazy almost yeah. to me. <laughs> almost <laughs> like hashtag me too. No, not yeah. just, not just almost sleazy. <laughs> that was, was sleazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I don't know how other people interpret it. I just, uh, you know, that's how it came across to me, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was oh, yeah. weird. For sure mm-hmm. to be a program that Tom Pierce created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's fawning over him. This is very similar and, to like, yeah. what you would find in Quark's uh, on yeah. his hollow programs he tries to get everybody to use. So. <laughs> and the weird thing is he's bringing Kim along with him to just like watch him basically make out with people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What is going on right now? <laughs> Uh, I was like, you were inviting, like, I understand uh, there's this whole, like, you know, bro culture, like, you want to bring your boys with you and have fun in the club, like, that sort of thing. Yeah. But this was, like, kind of, it was almost like a voyeuristic <laughs> in a way. It was yeah. so weird. Yeah. It would make sense if it was kind of a, hey, let's go hang out in this cool spot I programmed. Oh, right. I forgot I made everybody, you know, love me. Um, But no. I created this place for me that I'm going to have you have an experience. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. No. I don't think it stays like that. No. I mean, like at the end of the episode, we see other crew members are just in there um but yeah it's uh it's it's weird in this episode it's like a little bit too much of a private fantasy like yeah i don't want to be involved in your your private (laughs) fantasy (laughs) on the holodeck you know (laughs) what you do on the holodeck is i just don't want to know yeah so it just seemed out of character. Like again, I probably am more familiar with uh, slightly later versions of these characters, and I don't know why yeah. that is because I've not seen a lot of Voyager. But what I think I have seen of Voyager is tends to be in the later seasons mm. where the characters are slightly different, and I just have seen Tom Paris be a little bit more mature, I guess. Yeah, um, than he was in this particular episode. Now I know that he's always been a little bit of like a Don Juan. Rikerish type character, yeah. but but this was like way beyond way beyond that, like anything that I was expecting uh, yeah. from Paris. So, well, even the actors have said like, yeah, they they really amped up the whole he's the bad boy who's been to prison thing, and it was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so 
Back to the nebula then. Um, so they've discovered now that the nebula is an organic life form and it is leaking Omicron uh, particles from the uh, hole or what they're calling the wound um, that Voyager created when they passed through the energy barrier. So they've got to figure out a way to repair uh, this hole and uh, keep it from um, basically venting out these Omicron particles. So while uh, the engineers and doctors work on that, uh, Neelix visits Janeway in her ready room and basically uh, says he's done. Like he doesn't want to do any more of these uh, exploration missions. He's nervous about it. It's too dangerous. And uh, Janeway basically just shuts him up and he's like, well, you're going with us now. Uh, I can drop you (laughs) off later, but for now you're going to have to just deal with it. And um, then Voyager eventually re-enters the nebula. They've come up with a solution um, to try and uh, fix the wound in this. And they get into the nebula, and the nebula basically starts to attack the ship again. They start losing control of the ship. I really liked the scene of Neelix and Janeway in her reading room of him wanting to get off the ship. (laughs) Basically, she goes, nope, (laughs) deal with it. And her, her dismissing him and then basically looking at him going, that Starfleet, forget out. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that, that's, that, another that's another one another of the iconic yeah. moment <laughs> for the entire series that happened in this episode. Yeah, totally. Well, of course, my favorite part of this was the doctor on the screen in the, uh-huh. on the bridge. <laughs> I mean, yes. That's one oh of the funniest goodness. parts of this whole episode. And of course, me, I love comedy. And so he's just... <laughs> You know, they, of course, they shut him up, you know, when he's trying to talk to them and Janeway, you know, mutes him. And then he's just in the background, just making faces and <laughs> trying to, you know, he's looking bored, you know, until mm-hmm. they get back to him or whatever. Waving his hands to catch yep. their attention so he can contribute again. Yeah. Yep. So these little his- moments like that that TNG wouldn't have done mm. that uh, I think DS9 and Voyager allowed themselves to do. Yeah, I thought that was such a unique camera angle of being able to take in basically two different views of action um, and a way to have the doctor essentially be on the bridge. Um, I really liked that whole scene. And like you say, I mean, the doctor would not have been the same character without Robert Picardo. Yeah. Literally. Because they were not going to write him that way. Yeah, there, there's so a reason good. he's one of the, yeah. the best-loved characters in Star Trek. Okay, and so kind of rounding out this episode, Voyager regains uh, control of the ship inside the nebula, and they uh, decide to kind of use the um, Omicron particles that are kind of, I guess, going through the nebula, life form, like a, they call it a circulatory system almost. They decide to to uh, surf on them all the way to the wound instead of trying to fly there. And maybe they'll go, you know, be a little less detected by the nebula doing that. And um, the Neelix appears on the bridge serving snacks to the <laughs> entire crew on the bridge. And Janeway, I think is about the only person, well, she and a couple of junior officers take, uh, take them. The doctor then suggests that Voyager um, act as a suture for the wound because their original plan wasn't working to close the wound quickly enough. 
So he he suggests that the uh, the Voyager kind of basically place itself, center itself in the wound, and then act as a suture to help suture the wound closed faster. And uh, then they got to jet jet out of there and get out of there before, um, I guess, I don't know. Like, I didn't really honestly <laughs> understand exactly what was going on, but <laughs> they got to get out of there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> before something happens. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so they do, they get out of the life form and the wound ends up, uh, I guess, closing enough to where they, they're satisfied that it will heal up properly. We cut to the last scene of the episode where, um, Kim is, runs into Janeway on the way to the holodeck and, uh, he invites her to go with him and they are going to the pool hall again. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and, uh. And so Janeway basically pretends that she doesn't know how to play pool. And then she um, breaks the balls and like, I don't know, five or six of them go into the pockets. So <laughs> she's apparently a pool shark, which I thought was a cool little detail about her. Yeah, I thought it was a nice way of totally breaking the ice and showing that, yes, she is here just to hang out with everybody and you know when we're off duty we can just be cool <laughs> yeah yeah i i did think it was interesting um in this the idea of using the ship to bring the two edges of the wound together and that sort of thing um i thought for sure that now maybe I'm I'm making this up, but in in some episodes where we've seen surgeries and stuff, they've they've talked about like a laser suture or something like that. So I thought it was a little strange that nobody knew the term suture. But mm -hmm. then again, they're they're not nobody on the bridge is a, a medical person, so that I guess would make it less uh, less common for them to know something like that. But yeah. Also, this is um, interesting that Janeway allowed Neelix and Kes to serve food on the bridge <laughs> in a red alert. <laughs> well, she so, she did say it was inappropriate, but yeah. <laughs> but she still tolerated it and even <laughs> ate. So, um, but again, like this is the episode two where Neelix declares himself the morale officer. Yes, for the ship, which is what he is for the rest of the time that this character is on the show so so yeah i just didn't remember that this was the episode that he self-declared himself <laughs> that in yeah this episode f for being an episode that's just kind of a typical star trek story actually has a lot of lasting impact on mm -hmm. the series mm -hmm. it introduces a lot of of concepts and and quotes and memes and all that kind of stuff. I will say that um, I was kind of proud of Belana Taurus and the full hall scene and the way she reacted towards <laughs> everything. I was like, finally, somebody with some sense yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So great. He's a pig. And so are you. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> so apparently the writers were at least cognizant of what they were writing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least partly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in researching this episode, I was able to find a few uh, behind-the-scenes um, trivia for this. So, um, at the end of the episode, 
Um, the eight ball that Janeway sinks uh, was actually performed by Kate Mulgrew herself. Um, she had a trainer come in and work with her um, so she could make that shot <laughs> while not looking at the eight ball. Um, this episode is also the first episode to mention that Louis Zimmerman is the creator of the emergency medical hologram program. Um, the beach sequence um, of Janeway's vision quest was actually filmed on a miniature beach set um, that was created on Paramount stage 16, um, which was also the same stage that Shea Sandrine was created um, or built in. Um, So also with Shea Sandrine, um, this hollow program was actually reused quite frequently um, in the first three seasons. And then they used it one more time um, in the fifth season. So Tom Paris did create other hangout uh, places on the holodeck. Chakotay does mention in the episode that they have uh, a complement of 38 photon torpedoes on Voyager. Um, if we, uh, someone went and actually counted <laughs> through the entire <laughs> series and uh, Voyager um, had at least 81 because um, they used 81 over the course of the series. This is also, um, I had to look this up because I was curious that they mentioned, and this is part of the dialogue in Chase Sandrine's of mentioning that a fin mm-hmm. uh, was a bet. And so a fin is actually a U.S. $5 bill. I have never heard of it referenced that way. Okay. Because that, um, that's actually different than what I found. I found out that it was a $50 bet. Oh, really? Because it's every, the places I came was five. So anyway, <laughs> it's a U.S. monetary <laughs> yeah. amount. Um, never heard that before. I hadn't either. Um, Maybe that's because we're not pool sharks. Right. The one thing I wanted to know was what was that sludge coffee? (laughs) (laughs) What was that prop? What was it that they had pouring out? So, yeah, but never could find that information. So I didn't know if it was like motor oil that they had somehow thickened or if it was like hot fudge or something. But yeah, I I guess I assumed it was either partially set chocolate pudding or uh, chocolate syrup or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Never could find out. So (laughs) if anyone out there's knows can find that information, let me know. I'm curious. I I might have to check. I doubt it's in there, but I actually have the official Star Trek cookbook, which was uh, compiled by Ethan Phillips and has um, some things in there on what they would use for prop food. Okay. Um, I'll have to take a look at it. See if his better than coffee is in there. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt it, but uh, you never know. We have some uh, interactions on our social media to bring up here. We had uh, some people uh, shouting us out on Twitter. We did have uh, the Funnest Frontier podcast, which is a Lower Decks podcast. Uh, They went and shouted us out along with uh, several other Star Trek podcasts. So there's some uh, great podcasts that I've listened to that are on this list and then a bunch that I have not not heard of. So if you're looking for some more podcast recommendations. There's a good list there uh, from Funnest Frontier Podcasts or at Dex Lower on Twitter. 
and then we also got a shout out from Green Shirt Podcast. Um, they have been kind of a uh, a friend of the show. We've talked to them a couple times um, on Twitter and and gotten some some pointers and and some shout outs and and mutual uh, recognition from them so they are a great one to check out especially if you're interested in next generation and then over on instagram uh, we had a lovely comment from mike lavoy uh 977 and or is it lavoy we don't, i don't we're know not sure we're yeah. not sure yeah. uh my uh, inclination as a, a Canadian who lives in an area that uh, French is rather prominent, although I don't speak it, unfortunately. Uh, my inclination is to say Lavoie, but uh, Lavoie is a more anglicized version. Not sure. Uh, anyway, he says that uh, he answers the uh, question about the Takan Empire and then says, keep up the great work, ladies. I've been loving your podcast since I found it. So thank you very much for that uh, comment and the compliment. And we will try to keep it up uh, and keep up the quality. So if you would like to get in touch with us, you can find us on the various social media platforms. Uh, I mentioned Instagram, where we are Tribbles and Transporters Podcast, and also Twitter. We are at Tribbles Podcast on that platform. And then you can find us on Facebook, where we have both a group and a page. And then if you ever want to get in touch with us directly, we do have a Gmail, which is uh, tribblesandtransporters at gmail.com. And once again, the links to all of that is uh, are in the description. <laughs> the right uh, <laughs> verb there. <laughs> <laughs> they be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Our uh, next episode, we're going to be circling back around to Enterprise once again. It's been a while since we've done one uh, of Enterprise, but mm. I look forward to getting back to that uh, show because I think we're all enjoying it. Uh, Breaking the Ice is the next episode. I did look up the uh, description and I forgot what it's, I forgot the details of it <laughs> as usual. <laughs> it's, it's a plot, but, you know. And, there's, there's a ship, there's people, they do something. It's something Stuff about, um, it's something about <laughs> breaking the ice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> Hang on, let me look it up. Let's see. <laughs> it's they they like mine they like mine something off a planet or something like that. Um, that's what I remember from it. They discover a comet that has a rare element. Ah, yeah, and a Vulcan ship comes in to play somehow. <laughs> so we hope you guys will uh, join us for that uh, breaking the ice. And uh, we again thank you guys for listening. As always to uh to this episode and look forward to future episodes with all of you and we'll see you next time bye-bye bye everybody bye in the
Nebula, and they are looking to collect some of the... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. I forgot to mute my mic. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I was doing so well on not laughing at what I was hearing Scarlet do, and I just, sorry, I couldn't. Oh, yeah. No. (laughs) Totally understandable. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's try that again.